Hi, this is Hank Bordwitz, and welcome to this edition of Noise of the World, Artists in Their Own Words. If you do not know the names Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller, you know their music. Songs like Hound Dog, Jailhouse Rock, and Kansas City were the building blocks on which rock and roll was built. I spent some time with them in uh, December of 1994, and we talked about a lot of things, ranging from how their careers developed, being white guys riding the blues, Big Mama Thornton, and of course Elvis. We did it by phone, so the sound quality is not optimal, but it's a great interview nonetheless. I was writing songs with uh, the guy at Fairfax, the drummer, and uh, he had missed two or three sessions. I ran into him, finally ran into, ran into him in the hall, changing classes one day, and I sort of collared him. I said, listen, Jerry, you know, if you can't make it, if you, you, know, if you don't have enough time, let me know. And I'll look for somebody else because I don't, want, I don't want to be waiting around for somebody who's not going to show up, you know. I mean, I mean I'm taking this very seriously. And he said, well, I really, you know, um, I wish I could, you know. And he's kind of off for it. He said, I, I love writing songs. He said, but I, I really have to devote more time to making a living and because I'm contributing to my family's living. And I just couldn't take the time off. And I said, well, you know, but, you know, by the way, I played a dance on the weekend. Piano player was real good. And uh, he struck me as the kind of guy that might want to write songs. And I, I took his name. I wanted to give you his name. I said, that's great. You know, let me have it. He gave me Mike's telephone number. And I called him up. And I said, you know, I just ran into a, a buddy of mine who has your number, who gave me your number. He told me that, um, I, and I'm a songwriter, I said. And he told me that... Uh, might be interested in writing songs. <laughs> and immediately he said, no, no, he's mistaken. I don't want to. So it was sort of a conversation killer. Uh, and I said, well, maybe we ought to get together for a few minutes and just like, you know, talk a little bit. Maybe you might change your mind. He said something like, I don't know, no, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, in, I'm not interested in that. You mean that like, uh, hold me in your arms and throw me up to your charm shit? He said, I'm, I'm not. And I said, well, well, no, that's not what I write anyway, hardly. I said, well, what do you, what do you listen to musically? And he was kind of, so I think he said something like, you know, Dizzy Gillespie and Miles Davis, et cetera. I said, well, why don't I drop over, you know? Oh, I don't know why, you know, why, why should you drop over, you know? He gave me this long negative response. <laughs> and it's enough to break anybody's confidence for a world time. Actually, until about 12 or 15 years later that he explained what had happened to him. 
And so we would write three songs or so, come to the studio, and we'd learn them on the session and record them on the session. And in between a couple of numbers on a, you know, on a five, we'd go out and write another song in the hallway. We'd come back in and bring that one in. So we had developed this reputation of being able to write songs pretty much to order and pretty fast. A little after worked with Johnny Otis then. And Johnny Otis uh, got to know us because of what we were writing for Little Lester and some of the other blues singers on uh, Federal. And then one day he got an assignment to record Big Mama Thornton, who also appeared with his show. It was the Johnny Otis show that traveled all over the country, mainly through the South, with uh, a lot of different singers. And, and he called us one day and said, look, i got to record a Willie May song, and I need some songs, so why don't you come over? We're having a rehearsal, and you can listen to what she sounds like, you know? And then uh, maybe write some songs for her. And that's how we got to, uh, to meet her and to listen to her. And, you know, she was a very large woman. Not very fat, but she was big and wide and everything. And she was kind of mean looking. And so we left there, we went back to my house, and between the car ride back and a few minutes in the house, and banging and on the piano and shouting, we had Hound Dogs, the original, the original lyric Hound Dogs. Right, and then we drove back to Johnny's, the rehearsal was still on, and we, we played in the song. Rehearsal had uh, gone off very well in Johnny's garage, and the session I believe was called for the next day. And we went into I think I think it was Radio Recorders, I'm not sure. And uh, everybody got in place, and Big Mama got on the mic, and they ran it down. And Johnny was in the booth with me and Mike, and um, they ran it down and. I looked at Mike, and he looked at me, and it was like, oh, my God, what went wrong, you know? Because it didn't sound anything like it sounded in rehearsal. I mean, musically. Uh -huh. Lyrically, you know, vocally, it sounded fine. So, uh, you know, we did it again, and I, I, I realized that the drummer, who was the road drummer, was on drum playing. And during the rehearsal, the, the day before, Johnny was playing drums, and Johnny is a much more, I don't know what you want to call him, refined, interesting, groovy drummer, but he is. And what he was playing was smack on the money about what it should be, and what the road drummer was playing was wrong. We said, Johnny, this is not going to happen if, the, if you're a drummer, I think his name was Dope, something like that. If he plays on this record, it's not going to happen, it's not going to be the same, it was they hit yesterday, and today it's just, uh, it's okay, it's ordinary, but it's nothing special. He said, what are we going to do, man? Who's going to produce the record? I said, you got to go out and play drums. He said, well, who's going to produce the record? And Mike and I looked at each other, and we said, we turned to him, we said, we will, you will. Who is there producing your record? I said, technicians got the knobs down, right? That's all, right? And if it's too fast, we'll say, Johnny, it's too fast. And if it's too slow, we'll say, Johnny, it's too slow. And if it's good, we'll say, take another take. I said, do we have to know anything else? 
he laughed. He said, okay, and he went out. And I don't know whether he got it in one take or two takes or three takes, but it wasn't more than that, and it was great. And his playing the drums, the way he played them, set the balance for all of the interaction with all of the other uh, musicians and instruments so that all of it fell in the right way. And that's where we also got Pete Lewis's famous guitar solo. The first time you heard Elvis do Hound Dog, did you think, damn, he eviscerated my song. He just ripped the guts out of it. Well, yeah, we weren't too happy with it. It was nervous. And the lyrics were changed, which we found out later. But obviously the song was a book. I was going to say, it would be silly if he's saying, you know, come sniffing around my door. Right. Well, what happened was he, he knew that record and loved, the, loved that record. But later, what happened was when he worked or went to Vegas, I don't think he was working there yet, but he went to Vegas and heard a lounge act do this kind of uh, eviscerated version. And uh, so he did it because... It was, at least the lyric wasn't, uh, I don't know, even if it doesn't make much sense. I think the easiest one was Presley. Did you ever produce him, though? Yeah. We produced him many times, but we we did not get, we were the producers without, what, portfolio? We, I mean, we made Jailhouse Rock. We made, Mike knows the list. We made a number of them. Um, you know, I'd say Presley was the easiest in one sense because he was a workhorse. Uh-huh. I mean, he really could put out. And he, I mean, he had no problem doing 35 takes. If he wanted to, he didn't have to. Normally, three takes was enough because he'd get it right away. But he could sing all night and all day. And he loved it. I mean, he would rather do that than just about anything else. Uh, the guys that there were the most fun were the coach because we used to just laugh ourselves silly. Hi, Hank Bordowitz here again. Thank you for listening to Noise of the World, Artists in Their Own Words. This has been Episode 6, Weaver and Stoller, Producers Without Portfolio. Noise of the World is a production of Bordowitz Media Works.